this idea that the Lord placed on my heart was, came as a result of um, reading through these passages. And I, re- I came across a passage that I've read many, many times. And then all of a sudden, I went back to it, highlighted it, circled it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Have you guys ever done that before? It's like, wait, wait a minute. I, I don't get that. And then I realized that part of the reason is that we read some passages. And because we don't understand it, we're almost scared of it. Or there's some passages that people have taken... And they've, they've twisted it so far that we stay away from them because we're afraid of how people have misused it. <clears throat> but I've wanted to do this and share this thought in the beginning of the year. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to, you need to think about this before, and I'm not asking for a verbal response, but think, do you believe God's word? And I know that we say that, and we, 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 but there's certain passages we come across, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if I, if I believe all of that. John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. And uh, this, this is the first time that I've done something this wide, and that's why I said I wanted to take this 10 o'clock hour to get us together to, to, to pray and to study this, to have this idea because I'm going to be taking this for a couple of months, actually. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to study this 11 o'clock hour, greater things, greater things of what God said in this passage. And getting into what that looks like and what God had and how God delivered that through them. Jesus was speaking to the disciples. And he says this passage, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. Now listen to this. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Greater works than these because I go to my Father. Now this is a, a powerful passage. But you've got to understand what the greater is. Because here's where people run from this. And they take this in a way that God did not intend for it to be. Where there, there's people going around claiming that they raise the dead and, and, and give life to the blind and all this other stuff with their hands and their power. And it, it, I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what God was saying when he was saying that you'd be doing greater things. Don't ever think that you're going to outdo Jesus. If, if you've got that thought, thought in your mind, you've already totally missed this passage. Was not God saying, I'm going to give you the power to outdo me. But Jesus explained it in the last part. He said, hey guys, listen, I'm about to leave. And he said, I've had this ministry here, but you remember most of the ministry that Jesus did, he told them not to go out because his hour, and tell what he did because his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus dies on the cross, he raises again, he, 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 he stays for that short length of time, and he leaves and he says, hey guys, all the power, all the message, all the glory, everything that I've given you, now I want you to go out and do it. The word greater means broader. It means bigger. It means to expand our influence. God wasn't saying that I'm going to give you more power than I have, but he said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to give you a greater impact in this world as a result of the cross. See, he sent us out through Paul and Silas and he sent them out through the book of Acts and he sent them out around the world and the the gospel was being preached and people were being saved and the word of God multiplied as a result of what Jesus did. Let me ask you this. Do we live our lives with this in mind? I'm I'm not existing. I'm not talking about coasting. I'm talking about the idea of what God was saying that greater things. We have 66 books of the Bible. 
And I've read over and over and over again that God has challenged us to crave and desire more than just the status quo. And I think in our, in our generation, when we're saying that we're not seeing revival and we're not seeing souls saved and we're not seeing a, a turn in our government and a change in our society, and God says, that's because my people are stagnant. There's no fire. Let, let me read. You don't have to turn these. I'm going to just read you verses. And I want, I, want, I want you to think about what these things say. Romans 12, 11, you talk about God's desire for us. He said, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word fervent, literally the, the, the Greek word right there means to be hot. The, the example was to bring to boil is what he's talking about. God said, I don't want you just serving me. He said, I want the zeal, the passion, the gospel, the excitement that you have to stir your heart up so much that you are boiling, you are hot, you are on fire for God. Let me ask you right now, are you on fire for God? And I'm not saying that to be judgmental. I'm, I'm asking all of us. I'm sitting in this, this Sunday school hour sharing my heart with friends and, and, and church people that we, we serve God with. I'm asking you this. Are we excited? Are we on fire for God? Do you do what you do? Or do you do it with having a fervent spirit? Go on. It says, verse Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I looked up that word. The word abounding means to superabound, to be in excess, to excel, to have more, to be in abundance. I'm going to show you over and over again, when God says, I've called you to do something, he said, I've called you to passion, conviction, zeal, go get it, do it with all your heart, leave nothing behind, sold out. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The zealous means to earnestly desire. Is anybody getting the theme here? Anytime that he says, do my work, do it with zeal. Do my work, do it with passion. If you're going to serve, if you're going to sing, if you're going to lead, if you're going to parent, if you're going to be a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, whatever God has called us to do, don't just do it. The calling on our life is to do it with excellence and zeal and passion and conviction to be on fire for God. You know, we, we will schedule things like revival and we'll say, Lord, send the fire. Do we really want the fire? Is there anything going on in our hearts to stir up a fire? A fire requires a spark. Is there any sparks in our lives? My fear is that there is a great gap between what we have experienced and what we are experiencing in our Christian lives and what we read in Scripture. This has almost become a myth. The, the idea, because every story that we read, every account, Old Testament, New Testament, that we read about God, God is telling them about how he did exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they ask or think. It, it wasn't just getting by. But I've wondered, have we settled to exist, to coast? Have we become comfortable? Let me tell you what happens. When we're not, we'll never challenge our kids. If you're not excited about the things of God, 
I tell you, if there's nothing boiling and stirring and fervent in all the words that we just studied, if none of that's happening in your life, you will not be going, hey, son, God is a great God, and today we're going to experience great things, and we've got to pray for the power of God. There won't be any of that. Well, we've got to go to church. Honey, where are we eating after church? All right. I hope he doesn't preach long, and that restaurant gets backed up really fast. We just... I'm telling you, I just explained the state of America. That's us. We've almost flatlined. So, I'm just being really personal here right now. When's the last time you cried? I'm not saying it's all about emotion. I'm not saying that, but I'll tell you what: when you're broken, when there's when you're repenting, when you want something, when you're hurting, when you see the hurts of others, it ought to affect us. We just sit there and zone out. Sit there and just going through it. Let me tell you, let me warn you, complacency comes at a great price. And our nation is paying the price for the church's complacency. When you are complacent, there is no passion. When you are complacent, there is no vision. When you are complacent, there is no excitement. And there will be no results. Let me remind you, of the study that I did in this same room a couple of weeks ago when Peter got discouraged and he went fishing and he fished all night and he caught nothing. But I started thinking about that. Somewhere in the middle of the night, Peter was like, all right, guys, cast the nets on the other side, catch anything. No, let's go to the other side, nothing. I think after an hour, I would have just said, guys, they're not biting, let's go home. Anybody that's fished, you like me? I don't sit there and cast for seven straight hours and go, well, no, I mean, if they're not biting, I'm going home. Go get a sandwich somewhere. Skip that. Forget about the fish. But, but I, I think what happened almost where they threw the nets over and they, they were just like on the other side. They just become drunk. They were just going through the motions. Everything changed when God showed up and said, how's that working out for you? Are you catching anything? I think we all need that wake-up call. God, God's asking us in, in our lives, how full is your net? How, how, how fervent is your spirit? What are you doing? Is, is anything coming as a product out of what you're doing? If not, something's wrong. I'm going to take you to a passage where God confronts this. Not to Peter. Not to the church of Acts. But to us. And as soon as I say that, you guys already know there's only one passage that says that. There's only one passage that's directly to us. So let's just turn there. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. You see, there was a, there was a change in Peter. And I'm, I'm going to use Peter in both services today. There's a change in Peter. Because when Jesus confronted Peter, and I know Pastor Joe touched on this last week, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, feed my sheep. Somewhere along that line, it clicked with Peter that I'm not just to do this. I, I, I'm to, to run after this. Because it was Peter that ran to the pulpit. It was Peter that preached with fervency and, and excitement in the in book of Acts in chapter 2. And he went from being afraid of a damsel to boldly proclaiming the word of truth to thousands of people. How does that happen? Something clicked in his heart. He hit a boiling point. He got on fire. He got stirred up. He caught a vision. He was broken. He was praying. He was seeking. He was knocking. He was asking. All those things that God promised. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, talking to the church age. 
And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I, God saying this, I will spew you. I will spew thee out of my mouth. I don't know if you get this. This is intense. We, we don't get many descriptions of God like this in Scripture where we see this side of Him where He says to the church and just says, let me tell you, guys, we're, the, the condition, that lukewarm status that you're at, God says it makes me sick. I, I know that, that we come and we want to praise the Lord. And we want to sing and we want to fellowship. We want to reach and we want to teach and we want to change and we want to do all these things. But how much good are we going to do in the midst of all that when God says, yeah, yeah, but you make me sick? Could there be power in the middle of that? Here's the reason why. Because thou sayest I am rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing Thou knowest that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here's, here's the way that I could sum it up. Jesus was simply, God was telling us, you are satisfied. You're not seeking for more because you're content with what you have. And, and I'm not talking about the be content with such things as you have. If there's an area that God has never told us to sit down and be content with, it's, it's the fullness of the Spirit or seeking after God or seeing Him work or people being saved. God never sits down and says, ah, you've done enough, take a seat, you know. It, it, you're never going to find that in Scripture. Jesus was saying, have you become apathetic? Have you become stagnant? He was saying that my people are to be different. They ought, they ought to be on fire. There ought to be something coming out of their life and, and being motivated and stirring them and making them love differently and serve differently and go differently. He was saying cold and hot. Cold and hot were extremes. He wasn't just saying on fire, but something to be ice cold or something to be hot are two extremes. God's saying that I don't want you lukewarm. It means that there's nothing going on inside of you that's any different than the world. What hinders greater things? I'm going to show you two things that we read in this. Number one, we see the problem. The problem revealed that God pulls out in this passage. He says, I know thy works. And this is, this is why I'm bringing it home to you guys right now. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. I, I had this thought, my, my kids, I've never been a pet lover. I have never been really a pet owner since I've been married. Jen and I have uh, we had a betta fish one time that was as far as I went and even I, I, it just wasn't my thing <laughs> not my thing and then then it's something that happens when your kids come up and your daughter starts coming up and begging you for a cat and they ask you and they, they, they have the sweet little face and all that and eventually yes I did I gave in and we own a cat I am not proud of it but we own a cat and then my kids had this idea that they, they thought, we've got our foot in the door, you know, here's, here's the next thing that we're going to do, and they wanted a fish tank. Now, I, from what I hear, fish tanks are a lot of work, and I did not want anything that was a lot of work, because you guys know how it is with kids. We'll take care of everything, Dad, for the first day. 
And then it falls on you. So, so my kids, uh, we're home, and I said, Jen, the, the, the fish tank that they want, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, uh, but they have fish now that glow. Have you guys ever seen glow fish? I don't know what they do to make these, you know, it's like Ninja Turtle fish and, you know, like mutants that I've got in this fish tank. But you get this glow fish and then you put a black light on them and they glow in there. It looks really cool. So I, I said, Jen, they won't get all the money for, I don't care if they're zealous to get this or not. They're not going to get all the money to get it anyways. So we're home from Christmas and my, my son Jordan is saying, oh, we're so excited. We're going to try to save off a hundred and some dollars for all this. And I'm like, roll my, you know, here we go. Yeah, they're going to save up that for a fish. My lovely sister says, you're kidding. I have the tank and everything you would need in, the, in that room. You can have it. And I'm like, no. So here I am lugging this giant fish tank and all the props and everything to come home. And we set it up, or they set it up. And uh, we had to get the fish. And my, my, my kids were so excited about getting the fish the next day that, you know, from the day that we arrived back from this trip, that they stayed up and they filled up the tank. And I said, why are you guys doing that? They said, Dad, the water has to become room temperature. It has to become room temperature. And then they said, when we get the fish home, you have to take that bag of fish and you set it in that room temperature of of that water in the bag. And then the water in the bag adapts to the water in there. And then the fish, when it goes out, is adapted already to its surroundings. And I'm telling you, I'm doing this in the process of watching this and hearing this at the same time that I'm studying this. And God shook me up and he said, you just heard what the, what the church has done. You just heard what we've done. We've taken God's people and put us in a world and slowly we have adapted to the surroundings around us. And you've got the lost person that could care less about church. And you've got a lot of saved people that could care less about church. And you have people that, that are not weeping at altars for their lost ones because they're just like the lost. Do we even believe that? That people are going to hell anyways. What, what are we zealous about? Have we literally adapted? And you say, how does something become lukewarm? Just let it sit. Just let it sit. You don't have to do anything. That's the key. That's what we've got in our mind about the church. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to soak it up. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to this. And we let that get into our mind. And all of a sudden, we've adapted to where it's no longer hot and it's no longer cold. It is lukewarm. And we're no different than our surroundings. We are become apathetic. I go to church because I've been raised to go to church. And I'll sing because they instruct us to do that. And I'll go home and flip through my Bible. But there is nothing going on. And God says, I will spew you out of my mouth. You may say, wait a minute, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I tell people about Christ. I I, I do good things. Jesus said in this passage at the very beginning, he said, before I get into this, let me just tell you right now, just before you jump to conclusions, I know your works. I know what you do. And that's where I think a lot of us dismiss this thought because you're sitting there going, I, I serve, I do this, I stay in there, I go there, I'm out here, I do this, I do that. The, the, Jesus started right off at the beginning saying, and just before you guys say anything, I already know what you do. He said, I know your works. He said, my problem is you're doing your works with no zeal. You're, you're neither cold nor hot doing your works. You're not excited, you're not passionate, you're not broken, you're not, you're not seeking, you're not thriving, you're not asking, you're just doing it. 
Isn't that true that we do that with a lot of things? Because I, I, I did a lot of driving over the last couple of weeks, going down to Alabama and seeing our family, and that's what we do. We go from family to family. We don't get to see them very often. We got to see them all. Have you guys ever been driving before? And you're listening to the radio, you're listening to things, you got something on your mind, and all of a sudden, you're like 20 miles further than where you, you were, you know. And you're almost like, well, where's that exit? Oh, I passed that exit. It's like, what happened? We, we just get in the zone, and all of a sudden, it's not that we're not keeping it on the road and doing what we should be. We almost zone out. Guys, has it been to where we go to church and we hear the word of God and we hear the scriptures and we hear the preaching and we go through the altar calls and we see this and all of a sudden and we've just gotten into that zone? Have we put our Christian lives on cruise control? You know why I'm doing this in this hour? Because I know that we have, a lot, this, this crowd will increase in the next hour. I know that. We're going to have a lot of people that are coming in that are, checking out churches or they, they, they just come at the 11 o'clock hour but i'm going to tell you who i'm looking at right now most of you guys are the ones that do the work you're the ones that show up park the cars build the stages run the programs speak the word stand behind lecterns none of us are above getting to this place where god says the church is no longer effective because the church is a bunch of drones going through the motions. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with myself. Lord, if I become stagnant, it's like, well, you're doing everything. Well, no, I'm not asking. How am I doing it? What's going on inside of me as I do this? Ask yourself the question, have I lost my passion to see people come to know Christ? Have I lost my zeal in serving the Lord? Do I get excited about church? Do I get excited about worship? Do I get excited when somebody is baptized? Do I get excited? If you're not, you're missing something. We have Christian homes that are lukewarm. We have marriages that are lukewarm. We have parenting that's lukewarm. It's like, you were in church today? Good, all right. It's nothing stirring. And yet we sit there and have the idea that everything's okay. We go from the problem revealed by God to the passion restored by God. I'm going to show you that he didn't leave it there. And that's why I want to like, okay, we're going to kick it into gear over the next couple of months. And, and you're going to see where we're going to start. I'm, I'm going to unveil it in the next service where we're going to start. And you're, I don't want you getting the wrong thought because it, it's, let me tell you where it starts. It starts at the feet of Jesus. If you want to try anything else, it's not going to work. It starts at the feet of Jesus. And I'll end the next service explaining that. But the passion restored, read with me. You're not going to like this. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like this. You, you sit there and say, oh, that's probably true. I'm, I'm, I'm just in coasting mode. And I, I just exist and I come and I, I do my thing and I go home and I really don't get excited. I never go to the altar. I never pray. We, all, all those things have kind of died out. And God says, all right, just, just read verse 19 now. You need to know this. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Do you know what our God was telling us? It might be okay with you, but it's not okay with me, is what God just said. It's a scary thought. 
When God doesn't just say, sit over there and say, oh, that's my group of Christians. They're just in zoning mode. They, they, they're just kind of apathetic. They're just kind of existing. They, have, they justified it in their minds that I've served the Lord for so long, or I'm tired, or I've got this, or I'm, my, my schedule, whatever. And they've, just, they've justified their complacency. And we have that idea. It's like, God, when I'm ready, I'll get in there. And God says, no, here's the thing. Let me, t- let me explain this to you. It's not okay what God is telling us. God will not allow us to sit in our complacency. God will not allow us to be apathetic. God will not just sit there and let it go. As a father, let me tell you, as a father, and that's what we're hearing here. Because I love my kids, when I see that they're being lazy, you know why I I, I get them up and say, get off the couch. And one of the last nice days that we had before it started getting cold and all that. I'm mean, I mean, just like you guys. I, I, I start looking at the weather and the temperature. And I say, guys, let's clean up the yard. I want to rake the yard. I want to cut the grass one last time. I want to fix this. I want all this stuff outside that's going to be buried in the grass or uh, in the snow. I want, I want, you know what I'm saying? I'm going through all these things. And I've got this list. And get out there. And there's way more to do than what you thought. And the kids are just like, dude. And I go in there. Come on, guys. We're going to go out there. I'm going to go get dressed. And we're going to, I get to go to Lowe's. And I'll be back. And we're going to do it. I come back. They're on the couch. And I'm like, what did I tell you? Dad, but this is our day off. And all this other stuff. And I'm turning around. And they, they, they might think that's okay. But you know what? As a dad, I'm sitting there thinking, you have no idea. Let me tell you, one day you're going to have a house. One day you're going to have a job. And you're going to have responsibilities. You're going to have a wife. Or you're going to have kids. And no, you're not going to sit there. You're going to get up. And what they thought they were going to talk me into it being okay did the opposite. It fired me up and said, get up. You're going to do more work. You're going to work harder. We're going to work all day. That's what we're going to do. That's right. I'm an ogre dad. I'm I'm just. I'm not okay with that. I'm not saying my kids are perfect and I'm perfect, but I'm telling you this. Laziness and apathy will destroy their future. It will affect their kids. It will affect their, everything that God wants to do with them because that will roll over and everything. And God sits there and says, I'll tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to shake you up. And I'm going I'm, I'm to chastise. I'm going I'm to cause you. I'm going to call to your mind the things that you're doing. I'm going to spank you as a heavenly father. So that's what God's saying right there. Because I've got great things that I want to do with you. And I've got great plans for your life. And you sitting in a pew and you being stagnant is not okay with your father. Not okay. So I'm challenging all of us. It's not okay with God. It should never be okay with us. The word rebuke means to convict, to convince, or tell a fault. I tell you, it's a beautiful thing when God does that. And God says, I love you, but I'm going to call you out on what I'm seeing that's wrong. I love this. I rebuke and I chasten. This is be zealous, therefore. He says, after he calls them out and says, guys, I'm going to call to your attention. I, you know, being out in the yard, we're, we're working and just say, you know, with the kids, I say, guys, it's going to, you know, it gets dark at like 530. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get this done. Guys, if we get done, maybe, maybe we can go get ice cream or do something. Hey, let, let's get the job done. God's saying, don't just do it. Ooh, you, know, you know how it is. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. 
okay, Dad, you know, it's that. I'm like, oh, okay. Attitude is everything. Can, you, can we say amen to that? Attitude is everything. Just because you go through the motions of it, and God's, let me tell you, God's going to say the same thing with you. Attitude is everything. Just because you showed up at church and you drug yourself through the door doesn't mean that God's happy with us. He said, man, be zealous. Be zealous, man. Get on fire. Don't just do it. Don't just get back to it. Be zealous. And we print. And I love this. Verse 20. Maybe in the, just because there needs, there needs to be, where, what, what, I do, what do I do with this, Pastor Tony? Verse 20, you, you can imagine this. It's this passage, and this passage gets quoted a lot, but not in connection to what we just studied. So at the end of this, when he said, be, be, repent and all these things, and you're sitting there, and we get into that, man, Lord, I, I, I haven't. Maybe you're looking back at the last year, two years, five years of your life, and you're saying, Lord, I have I, I used to give with joy. I used to serve with excitement. Man, I, I was the guy at the door high-fiving the kids as they came in and driving the buses and playing the instrument. I, that used to be me. Man, Lord. And I love this is what God says after, after that. He says, hey, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Even in the state of God saying, yes, you make me sick. I spew you out of my mouth. God still turns it and says, but I'm not done with you. I, I, I want to come in and I want to fellowship and I, I want to share your heart. And I, I want to touch you and I want all these things back. God's not done with any one of us that gets into that apathetic thing. God doesn't just say, I'm done with it. I, I quit. I walk away. I, I, God doesn't do that. But notice how it says, if any man will hear my voice and open the door. He's getting off the couch and walking over and just saying, Lord, come on in. It's, it's yours. Show me. Teach me. Change me. Convict me. Lord, I, I'll pray at the altar. I'll, I'll, I'll repent. I'll, I'll, I'll surrender. Lord, what do you want? do it i used peter through this whole thing and uh i believe that peter got this with god and i'm going to read in acts chapter 2 verse 1 what happened before peter preached now i know you guys know this but going back to that thing where where, we're after he said feed my sheep feed my sheep feed my sheep is what god said and when the day of pentecost was fully calm fully calm they were in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them cloven tongue like as of fire. And sat upon each of them. The Holy Spirit. Now no, this is descriptive of this is the introduction of the Spirit of God. And I mean, just the vision of this. And I've seen, you know, the Christian movies that portray this and all the different things and stuff. All I can tell you is this, is God showed up. And it was cool. <laughs> And in the midst of this, the description of the working of the Holy Spirit of God was that like as of fire. He said, I wish that you were hot. I wish that you were zealous. I wish that there was a spirit boiling up inside of you. I wish you'd cast your vision. I wish you'd run to the fight. I wish you would get your hearts right. May this stir us up. Remind you that it takes no effort 
to become lukewarm. Just sit in that pew long enough, and I promise you, you'll be there. But it won't be okay with our God. It's time for greater things.